0: I think we could spend the next uh, half hour just singing that song over and over again, and it would not be a wasted service. That would be an awesome time if Keith's voice could handle it for 30 minutes, you know, if you want. <laughs> As we uh, begin, I want to share a couple of opportunities that we have uh, in our church right now. Uh, for service, <clears throat> and uh, the first one is we could use some help with the tech team, and I think they 're supposed there it is, so the tech team is looking uh, as, as most of you probably know, I think we introduced Casey a few weeks ago. Casey is leading our tech team back in the booth there, and as she says, if you have a reliable right index finger you 're good for this job that 's the qualifications so you know she is looking for some help back there. And uh, I know you may be thinking, well, I can't do tech. You know, this is beyond beyond me. And uh, I can assure you the system that they use back there is the same system that we use up in the youth room. And we have middle schoolers who run it up in the youth room. And I know you're thinking, well, sure, but middle schoolers know tech more than I do. But I'm the one who trained the middle schoolers. And I'll tell you what, I could look at Latin books and pick out more words than I can from a tech manual. I don't know what language they write those things in. I am clueless, but even I figured out this system. So I don't want to downplay it and make it seem like an easy job because when things go wrong, you know, it's a little stressful sometimes. Um, but that's why Casey's back there. She takes up all the stress. So you just need to go back and, and show up and help. The second opportunity we have is for hospitality people. The hospitality team includes our, the greeters, the people who say good morning to you at the door. It's the people who, uh, you know, um, when we have plates coming down, they'd be the ushers that be part of the hospitality team. The people running the cafe is part of the hospitality team. So the hospitality team, basically, if the person running hospitality asks you to do it, the answer is yes. The answer is always yes. And uh, this is a team that, uh, just speaking from my own experience, is near and dear to my heart. I was at a church where I ran the greeters and the ushers. And I don't think on a Sunday morning there is any more important ministry in this church or in any church... Than those greeters and people running the cafe and doing all the hospitality stuff Amen. and I used to uh, push that with my volunteers that this is not about handing out a piece of paper it's not about holding a door it's about building a relationship and I'll tell you I was at a church uh, my family went to a church probably about a year between a year two years ago maybe it was before COVID so but not too long before COVID so I guess we're getting a ways now And we walked into that church. First of all, we had to ring a bell to get in because they had the doors locked. And there was nobody manning the door. Somebody finally runs out of a classroom, opens the door, and runs back into their classroom. And we're like, okay. (laughs) And uh, literally, that entire service, one person spoke to us. (laughs) Guess what church we will not be visiting (laughs) again? (laughs) That is how important the hospitality is. It didn't matter at that point how great the worship was, how great the, the pastor was or the, the message. You know, we, we're not going to go somewhere where we don't feel loved. And that's what the hospitality team is able to do, is to make people feel loved right when they walk in the door. So both of these are important jobs. We need people to sign up. <clears throat> and right now you're probably thinking, uh, so why the long infomercial cutting into our, our sermon time? Well, our topic today is the love of service. So we're continuing on in our series of uh, Lent, you know, as we go through uh, the last days of Jesus, and today our focus is the love of service. So there was a method to the madness. Would you turn with me to John 13, uh, 12 through 17? Oh my gosh, I'm sorry. (laughs) I thought that would help. That just made things worse. (laughs) When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is the messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Would you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we come before you seeking your wisdom, seeking your guidance, seeking your words. Father, show up in this place today. Lord, pour out your spirit on us. Let us sense your presence. Let us know that you are among us. Let us hear your words and let those words change our lives today. That when we walk out of here, we don't just forget what you've spoken to us, but we will carry that throughout the week that we will allow your words to change our lives and to make us who you have called us to be. Lord, you say, be holy as I am holy, and we believe that that is possible, that we can be holy, we can live holy, but we know that we cannot do that on our own power. So, Father, we pray that you would fill us with your Spirit and that you would do a work and that it would begin right here, but certainly not end here. Father, we thank you and we praise you. And Lord, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to begin by addressing the question of why should I serve? In the the passage, Jesus says, Now that I, I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should wash one another's feet. I wanted to use a story to kind of illustrate this for, for today a little bit, a little more new. And so I was thinking, you know, what's a good example of a time where somebody has been shown grace and love and it has changed their life? And one of the things that kept coming to my head was my favorite, one of my favorite musicals. I love musicals. I love stage musicals. I love the movies. Um, And one of the musicals that I'd really love to see live, um, which I did kind of see live, it's Les Miserables, I think is how you pronounce it. I listened to the YouTube video over and over trying to pronounce it correctly, Les Les Miserables and uh, Les Mis. And I did get to see our, our high school up at Maple Grove did it in I want to say like 2011, it was actually Brady uh, Webb was in it and Brandon Hatch. And our school did an amazing, amazing uh, job with that musical. So it was kind of like the real thing, like being on Broadway maybe. But I love uh, the music. I love the story. And the reason that I love that story so much is because the... Towards the beginning of it, it is the greatest story outside the Bible of redemption, of God's of grace being shown and lives being changed. And if you haven't seen it or you haven't read the books, um, the book, then uh, you don't know the the protagonist of the story is a man named Jean Valjean. He is a convict. He has spent nineteen years in hard labor for stealing bread because his nephew was starving. So between stealing the bread and a few um, ill-advised prison escape attempts, he ends up 19 years in hard labor. When he's released, he is sent to a city where he has to register for probation now, this happened after the French Revolution, so it's like late 1700s, early 1800s. There's no cars, he's not driving to where he needs to go, so he's, he's walking to where he needs to be. He can't get a job, nobody will hire him because he's a convict. So he has no money for food or shelter or anything else, and, and it's pretty much a miserable existence for him. Until he knocks on a door, And a bishop opens the door, and it's Bishop Muriel. And he opens the door, and he invites Jean Valjean in. He gives him a warm meal. He gives him a soft bed, a roof over his head to refresh him. Problem is, is Jean Valjean has not slept on a soft bed in many, many years, so he can't sleep, so he's up all night, tossing and turning, and finally he gets up and he decides he's going to steal all the silver in the place. So he gets a bag, he takes all the silver, and he sneaks out. It's not long before the uh, French police find him and are questioning why is this shady-looking character carrying around a big bag of silver so they stop him and question him, and he says, no, no, it was given to me by the bishop. So, of course, they're going to check with the bishop. They take him back, and they're not very gentle about it. And they, they knock on the door, and the bishop answers, and, and they say, bishop, he's telling us you gave him this stuff. We don't believe him. We will take him back to prison. And the bishop says, no, no, I did give him that stuff. And Jean Valjean is as surprised as anybody to hear the bishop say that. But the bishop goes even farther. The bishop begins to tell Jean Valjean, he says, how foolish you are because you've forgotten the most valuable items. And the bishop picks up two candlesticks that are silver. And as he's placing them in Jean Valjean's bag with everything else, the bishop says this, Forget not, never forget that you you have promised me to use this silver to become an honest man. Jean Valjean, my brother, you belong no longer to evil, but to good. It is your soul that I am buying for you. I withdraw it from dark thoughts and from the spirit of perdition, and I give you to God. This shook Jean Valjean to his core. And one of the best songs in the musical, I think, is right after that, where Jean Valjean is singing and he's questioning, why would he do this? Why would he show me this kind of grace? Why would he show me this kindness? And that moment is what turns Jean Valjean's life around. He becomes... Not only a good man, but he becomes a godly man. And that one act of love, he will go to share that with many others throughout the story. That act of kindness from the bishop, Jean Valjean had never experienced such kindness. The mercy that he showed, Jean Valjean deserved prison, but he did not get what he deserves, that's mercy. The grace that was shown, Jean Valjean did not deserve to keep that silver. And yet that gift was given to him anyways. That love that he was shown, Jean Valjean would take that love and he would begin to show that same love to others. This is what Jesus is trying to get across as he's washing the disciples' feet. That act of love, that act of humility, that because I have done this for you, now you do this for others. The disciple John, who becomes the Apostle John, will understand this later on when he writes in uh, 1 John 4.19. 4, and John says, we love because he first loved us. We love because we have been loved by God. When we understand what God has done for us. When we understand that mercy and that grace and that love, the natural consequence of that, the natural outpouring of that is we will begin to share that love and that mercy and that grace with other people. And a natural outpouring of love is service. You can serve without loving, but you cannot love without serving. And I want you to understand in this room right now, you are loved. I hear Brandon, the uh, campus minister at Park Church, all the time he is saying in his messages, I hear this quite often, he says, if you hear nothing else, hear this one thing. Hear these three words, God loves you. Pastor Joe shared that. I know he shared it in the second service last week. I assumed he shared it here. If you hear nothing else, God loves you. Today, if you hear nothing else, hear those three words, God loves you. So why do we serve we serve because we've been served we love because we've been loved we show mercy because we've been shown mercy so again as john first john 4:19 says we love because he first loved us and service is a natural byproduct of that love so as we talk about why we love let's move on to where do we love because hopefully we understand that this is not optional If we are not naturally desiring to love people at this point, to serve other people at this point, then we need to do a check on our heart. We need to do some self-evaluation. We need to see where our relationship with God is because there's something wrong if we are not naturally now desiring to love others and serve others. So the why is there. So now the where. And this here is a question where there's some of you and you may disagree with me on this. And we can debate about this. We can talk about this. And that's awesome. Mike Martin put on his uh, Facebook page a few days ago. um, He said it's one of his favorite passages. And it was uh, Proverbs, I think, 17. And his version said, As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. So, you don't have to agree with me on this, but this is where my understanding of Scripture is right now. When it comes to the where do we love. You see, I think that the where we love first and foremost is within the body of Christ. I would say where we love, even going farther than that, is here first. Now, if you are super mission-minded you may have a different opinion of that and that's, that's fine because I'm not discounting that we need to do both. Churches that become insular and it's all we care about die. And when that happens, Jesus, God does these terrible things like brings persecution to send people out to get them out of that insulation like he did in Jerusalem. The early church got a little too insular so the persecution came and in Acts it actually says God brought that to send them out. So let's not mistake what I'm saying to say that we don't care about people outside of here. But I believe first and foremost, we have to love our brothers and sisters in Christ. And where I get that from is that I gave up counting. I got to 43 passages that talked about how we are supposed to take care of and love one another. Over and over, you see love one another, carry one another's burdens, forgive one another, bear with one another. Over and over, the message is, how do we do life together? Jesus says it over and over and over again. And when he's saying love one another, he's not standing on the street corner just talking to random passerby's. He's talking to his disciples. He's talking to his followers and he's giving them a command, love one another. When Paul and Peter and John, all three of which have several passages that say the same thing, love one another, their letters were not put in the Jerusalem times to everybody. Their letters were for the church. The church was called to love one another. And I think that that has to begin with us. If I cannot love my wife and my children, how can I love the guy across the street? If we cannot love our brothers and sisters who we have so much in common with and should have a common mission with, how are we ever going to love the stranger? It has to begin here. And I know some people may be thinking, well, we can love the stranger. You know, we do a lot. We just, we take things to them. We give them things. We serve meals at the soup kitchen. And that's great. That is a natural outpouring of our love. But you know what? We can do that without loving too. It has to begin Here. There's two things, reasons why I think this is the priority. And why I think this was so important to Jesus and the disciples. When the world looks at the church, what does the world see right now? And I'll tell you what, the world is not looking at our church or any other church and saying, man, they love each other well. Man, I want to be a part of that. Sadly, that is not what our world is seeing. Our world looks at us and they don't see anything different than anything else. They see people backstabbing and nitpicking. They see the sexual sin and the adultery. The world is not seeing us love one another. If we loved one another, do you know the effect that that would have on our community? if people looked into our church and saw us taking care of each other, don't you think they would want to be a part of that? The early church grew so much because people saw the way they were taking care of one another. The second thing And like I said, if we cannot love from within here, how are we ever gonna love outside these walls? So we have to begin to learn to love here so that we can share that love abroad. So how do we serve? We've talked about the why because we have been loved. We naturally should show that love. We've talked about the where. It has to start here. So now the how. Jesus showed love and served the disciples by washing their feet. Not a whole lot of need for that today. We drive cars and we wear shoes. So our feet are okay. So how do we serve and show love the way God served and showed love, the way Jesus served and showed love. And that may look a little bit different for each and every one of you. In a few months, we're going to start a series on spiritual gifts. And at that point, hopefully we'll be able to really explore what are people's gifts. But in the meantime... You're always welcome to talk to me. I can give you a spiritual gifts test. We can talk about spiritual gifts. But even better in the meantime, just jump in and do it. Jump in and find a place to serve. We talked about two opportunities here where people can jump in and serve, but there's so many more. All you have to do is ask. And there is no... Minor gift. There's no minor tasks that need to be done. Every task is important, every task has value. There was a woman at a church that I was very involved in uh, years ago. She, uh, at the time, was literally twice my age. Her birthday was the day after mine, and the year that I turned 35, she turned 70. And uh, her and I ran the prayer ministry together. Technically, I ran the prayer ministry. I taught the class and stuff, but she was the prayer warrior. There was a night, a Saturday night, there was, I had a, it was a horrible night, some stuff going on in my life. And uh, it was a bad night. Sunday morning, I still managed to make it to church. And I walked through that front door and she immediately saw me and came over. And she said, Tom, what's going on? And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. Everything's fine. <laughs> she said, God woke me up in the middle of the night last night to pray for you. And I lost it. I'm crying in the middle of the church. So we go back to our prayer room. We had designated one room. That was, that was our big prayer room. We did our class there. We prayed there. And we talked. And I shared with her everything that had been going on. That woman heard from God. She was one of the most godly people I have probably ever met. And as much as her gift was prayer, her real gift was hospitality. She was, to put it this way, you'll understand, she was the Suzanne of that church. If there was an event, she was the first one to get there. She was the last one to leave. And this wasn't a large church like here. This, I mean, we had 25 to 30 people. It was a small church. So when I say she was the first one there, she was the one doing most of it as well. And every event, she made sure it went off without a hitch. And after every event, she made sure that that church was ready for whatever the next thing was. She was such a huge part of that church. But people probably never saw most of what she did. And the sad part is, one day as we were talking, we were on a push with spiritual gifts and where we can serve, and she came up to me and said, I don't know where I should be serving I don't know what my gift is, and I don't know. I feel like I need to be doing something for God. I'm like, are you kidding me? You do more for this church than probably anybody here. But we get this idea that the only gifts that count are the big ones that everybody can see. The teachers, you know, the the worship team, you know, that you're up front. None of this stuff happens without every gift being used. As I was thinking about so many people in this church who have just a great, um, have the, this great gift of service, another person that I thought of was uh, Jake Wood, and he's hiding in the back there, which is normal for, for Jake and we had so many people in the youth when I started helping with the youth that were pillars of the youth group. And the youth would not have stood the way it did without the, the Vicky Bowens and the Ann Tempests and the Julie Hatches and Nicole Richardsons who were like these great pillars of that ministry and really kept it going. But when I needed something just crazy done, I knew I just had to ask Jake. Jake would, I'd pick him up, we'd get here early, and anything I asked of Jake, he would do it. He just has a servant's heart. Every gift is important, every gift is valuable. And we need every single person serving, or the body of Christ becomes lame. If the legs aren't acting like legs, we can't walk. If the, the the eyes and ears aren't acting as eyes and ears, then we are deaf and blind. Every single job is important. There was nothing, per se, special about what Sylvia did. Well, except for that prayer thing. That's that's pretty darn cool. <laughs> or Jake. There's nothing special about what they did. The special part of it was the way they loved. Sylvia just loved the people of that church. And she just wanted to make sure that everything was perfect. Jake just loved those youth. And there's many of them he's still in contact with after many years. So you know what? Don't complicate things when you're looking for where can I get plugged in, where can I get involved, don't complicate it. Just jump in anywhere. If you don't like it, you're not signing a contract, you're not getting stuck on a 10-year deal, Well, unless you're on a committee. Some some committee members, I feel like, they get stuck on a 10-year deal. But most jobs are not like that. But you know what the other thing we can do? Each of us can serve just by keeping our eyes and ears open here in the church. Two weeks ago, a good friend of mine came back to church and uh, he was just talking about how blessed he was by the people who came up to him and welcomed him. And, and a particularly um, spectacular one was Spencer. i Spencer is there and Spencer and my friend are talking and they're talking like they've known each other forever. And uh, they were both standing because they wanted to talk to me about something. And so I go over and the three of us are kind of talking. And and later in the day, I asked him, I said, you know, how did you know Spence? He goes, I didn't know Spence. He said, Spence came up and introduced himself. And I was wearing my Bills jersey. So Spence asked about the Bills and we just sat there talking. It's really that easy to love on somebody Literally an hour ago, as we're standing up there talking, Linda Richner saw some new people and she introduced herself to those people. It's as easy as that. We have been loved. Let's share that love. Let's learn to love one another so that we as the body of Christ can share that love to the world. This week, I want you to remember that. Don't complicate it. Just jump in and begin to serve. Begin to love as you have been loved. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, again, I thank you for this church, for my family, Lord. I thank you for the relationships that that we have with one another and that we are able to have and grow with you right here, Father. Lord, let us remember that we are brothers and sisters. When we have the desire to nitpick something that doesn't matter, let us remember that that's our brother, that's our sister that we're nitpicking. If we get the temptation to gossip, let us remember that this is somebody we're supposed to be loving When we see somebody in need, Father, help each one of us to desire to step up and meet those needs. Lord, help us to love in this church as you have loved us. Help us to love within the whole body, outside of this church, with all of our brothers and sisters in every church, Father, that around the world your name would be spread that around the world your love would be shared, that people would know your grace and your mercy through your body here on earth. Father, do a work and let us just be a little part of that. Lord, we thank you and we praise you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.